Come on, lift your hands and praise him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Clap your hands one more time and give God a great praise in this house. Amen. High five about five people on the way to your seat. Tell them God's been good to me. Come on, tell them, tell them God's been good, good, good to me. Hallelujah. I don't have any complaints. I don't have any sad stories to tell you tonight. I ain't got nothing to be frowning about tonight. Uh, when I think of the goodness of Jesus uh, and all that he's done for, if God never does another thing for me, uh, I could never praise him enough. Uh, if God never answers another prayer, uh, I got enough reason to give him a praise tonight. Uh, come on, is that how you feel tonight? Uh, Woo! Glory, glory. You can be seated for just a few moments. Let me say again tonight what a privilege and an honor it is to have all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. Would you help me one more time, Rock Church, put your hands together. Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests that are here tonight. Amen, amen to all those that are streaming live with us tonight. We're grateful that you tuned in, and uh, we are expecting great things from God in this house tonight. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome uh, some special folks tonight who are here for the very first time tonight as a married couple. Would you put your hands together for Brother Moses and Sister Jessica and Tello tonight? Come on, they're in their first church service tonight as a married couple. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at them. They got matching shirts on and everything tonight. I mean, Lord have mercy. Y'all keep it up. In a year from now, I want to make sure y'all still dressing and acting like that right there. Come on, somebody. We're so grateful for what the Lord's doing in their life and uh, excited for them and uh I'm telling you, God has been doing some incredible, incredible things in this house. How many of you were blessed on Sunday by what the Lord did in this sanctuary? I'm telling you, there was just some incredible miracles that took place this weekend. And I want to take a brief moment to say a great big thank you to all of the incredible teams uh, that worked so very, very hard to make sure that Sunday was a success. Would you help me put your hands together for in, anybody that invested your time, your talent, your treasure into preparing for this weekend? I thank you. Thank you for your time, your sacrifice, for the spirit of excellence. And uh, if I start naming people and all the departments, I will miss somebody and be in trouble. Amen. But I do want to give a special shout out to our events planning team uh, who worked so very hard. Amen. To help organize things and make it, make it very nice. Want to take a moment to uh, recognize our landscaping and maintenance teams. Brother Dominguez, Brother Trevor Sloss, their teams who worked so hard to make sure everything was nice and, and looking great. And uh, I want to say a great big shout out 
uh, to Brother Leal and all of the evangelism teams. Amen. That worked so, uh, so much helping to organize all of our efforts. And uh, Brother Leal's picking up some people right now for church. Imagine that. And uh, they'll be coming through the door any moment. Uh, but I, I think they knocked uh, just right before Easter there. I think they knocked up close to 800 doors. And uh, we saw the results of that on Sunday. Amen. And not only the evangelism teams uh, that, that have worked so hard, uh, Brother Alexandre and the street ministry team, and amen, amen. But I also want to thank this church for being soul conscious and for your lifestyle of evangelism. And uh, amen. We had so many people that were here as a result of, of you being a light to everybody that's around you, and uh, God is doing some incredible things. Amen? Amen. Thursday of last week at our Port-au-Prince campus, uh, Mrs. Francois was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Sunday morning at our Port-au-Prince campus, uh, San Serene and Joanne were both baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Sunday morning right here, Manasseh was baptized in Jesus' name. Came out of the water speaking in tongues. Layla was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Came out of the water speaking in other tongues. We ought to get excited about that right there. <laughs> Stephanie was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins on Sunday morning. Amen. And uh, revival just continues uh, to, to keep us doing the work and the will of God. Amen. And, uh, you know, I mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago um, that part of our growth plan around here is we've got groups of young married couples um, that are obeying the command that God gave Moses when he got off the ark to replenish the earth. Amen. And uh, they, they've got a special ministry uh, that, that uh, God is using them to help grow the church. And, and I mentioned uh, some of them uh, a week or two ago. Um, Brother Akeem, Sister Gertrude, our our expecting any time now a beautiful little angel that's on its way uh, to the house of the Lord. Brother Jose and Sister Reina. Amen. Little bundle of joy that'll be here before you know it. Brother Timothy and Sister Brooke carrying another little bundle of joy that's on the way to us. I told you this ministry's growing, y'all. Brother Ty and Sister Allison carrying another angel from heaven that's about to be born unto us. And, uh, and then Sister Sabine. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 don't, I, I just feel bad because I don't know if any child could be born more cute and beautiful than that little princess that you already have. 
and uh, we're excited for her. And uh, recently that ministry grew and added some more people to that ministry. And, uh, and we want to say a great big congratulations to Brother Lewis and Sister Vivian Uriostegui. Yeah, come on. Let's give them a great big hand of congratulations. Woo! Oh, yeah. And uh, God has blessed them, and they have another little one on the way. Brother Lewis is building his workforce. He is preparing for his eventual retirement, and he said he wants to make sure he's got plenty of help. And so they are, we are so excited with them and for them and how God is blessing them. Amen. And uh, it, it, it is my distinct privilege tonight um, that we have with us in the house of the Lord, my pastor and the angel of my, my soul, bishop and first lady elder all the way from Pueblo, Colorado. Would you help me give a standing ovation of honor to my pastor tonight and my first lady? We love them so, so, so very, very much. And uh, I always look forward to these um, precious opportunities that God affords when they can come and be here. And uh, I just, I, I wish I could stop the clock when they come because every moment that I get to spend with them, my heart is full and uh, my, my, my heart is nourished. And um, I love these people more than more than life, and uh, I, I could spend a whole lot of time tonight, and, um, and uh, we would eat up all of his preaching time, but I want to give them great, great honor tonight and let them know how much I love them and how much this church loves them and appreciates them. I want us to stand as we prepare for the word of the Lord tonight. I, uh, when people an opportunity to tell my story. Part of the story that I tell them is that without a Paul Elder, there would be no Randy Williams. And that is just a fact. And um, his ministry uh, was incalculable to my walk with God and what God has done in my life. And we are just privileged that he's here tonight to share the word of the Lord. How many of you came with a hunger and an expectation in your spirit for God to do something great in this house? Come on, how many of you came not out of duty, but you came out of devotion to God tonight? Would you lift your hands all over this house one more time? Come on, as we prepare for the entrance of the word of the Lord into this house, would you lift your voice as Bishop Elder comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us tonight? Come on, Bishop. Oh, let's fill this place with our praise. Everybody. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. I can already see that pastor is taken after his pastor. I don't know how many times I called Noah Moses when I was preaching. But that's all right. We know Moses is in the plan of God, too. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful 
wonderful presence of the Lord that we feel in this place. And, and I don't think the Lord is finished with filling people with the Holy Ghost tonight. And it would be awesome if somebody was baptized in the name of Jesus right here, right now, in this service. I don't ever want the miraculous to become commonplace to me. I don't ever want the miraculous. When you see someone filled with the Holy Ghost, you saw the greatest miracle that you will ever see in your life. How many of you really believe that? How many of you really believe that? When you see someone baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you see a microcosmic rapture that is proof to you that there's going to be a macrocosmic rapture. People are just walking along and the Holy Ghost just snatches them out of the world. And their friends don't understand it and their family don't understand it and people are frustrated and people think my God one minute they're getting high cussing me out and the next minute they're trying to get me to go to church with them they just don't understand it I'm telling you it's a miracle when God saves us how many of you want that to stay fresh you ought to just lift your hands and say God don't ever let me don't ever let the miraculous of you saving people become commonplace in my mind and in my spirit praise God praise God praise God well thank you Pastor Williams and First Lady Williams for the invitation I love to preach in this church but I'll give you a little secret I don't come here to preach in this church I do come to spend time with y'all but I really come to spend time with the Williams family because I love them very, very much. I get the added honor of preaching to you all, but I, I want you to know how much they mean to us, to my wife and myself and my family and our church there in Pueblo. They are an extension of what God has begun there and continues to do throughout all the world. And then it then it just perpetuates through you all and the heritage and the family that just grows and the promise was through Abraham but it's to us I will make your seed as the sand of the sea as the stars of the heaven and so the saga continues how, how far are you guys want it to go how big can we dream how great can this revival become Praise God. And so we do love Pastor and Sister Williams and Brother Judah and, and Brother Isaac. Brother Isaac gave me an incredible haircut. Thank you, Brother Isaac, for this haircut. Hallelujah. And, uh, man, it's just awesome to see what God is doing. Now, I was going to teach tonight. Uh, the Bible says the first order of a bishop is he must be apt to teach. And I love teaching. But I don't feel like teaching. I feel like preaching. 
Now, would you still be clapping like that if I was going to teach? Praise God. I feel like God wants to do something special in this place tonight. I really do. I hope you don't have your Tuesday night mentality on. I hope you got your Sunday morning, Sunday night mentality on here. Are you ready for God to move? Are you ready for God to move? Hey, hey. Woo! Hey! I got to settle down here. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 32 through 39. You have your Bible with you, say amen. If you don't have a Bible, you say amen. Have you bought your premier study Bible yet? You better hurry up, they're out. Hallelujah. Why is it a good thing? Because it's full of apostolic commentary. It's not full of, I'm apostolic through and through. One God, Jesus' name, repented of my sins, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. I got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, Brother Donovan. I believe in one God. And I suggest that we do holy living, separated from the world. Better preach. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and a barrack. I need a book. Uh, yeah, whatever. Maybe my phone will work here. Hang on. Up, I need something bigger. That'll work, that Bible, right? Get the glare off of that. They always discriminate against us short people. No, I just need the Bible. There, I can see it now. Anybody remember that old gospel song? Short people got no reason. <laughs> Ah, some of you are dating yourself right now. Hallelujah. Let's go back to the Bible. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. How many of you have stories of victory in your life? You need to tell them to your children. You need to tell them. Don't tell them what you used to be. Tell them where God brought you from. Of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, everybody say faith, not fear, not unbelief, not sarcasm, not a critical spirit, through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped 
the mouths of lions. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Watched valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. I want to preach for a little bit tonight on born and bred in a briar patch. Born and bred in a briar patch. I feel like preaching tonight. Does anybody here feel like responding to the Word of God? Come on now. Come on now. Let's give him a shout of praise before we're seated. Praise God. You may be seated. of you still read? If you can read, raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. If you don't know how to read, raise your hand. Well, we got some people here that will teach you how to read. They say by the year of 2035 that the youth in America will no longer read. They don't have to. Everything's done for them on an iPhone, iPad, everything else, which indicates to us that we will have an illiterate society in just 14 more years. That's a sobering thought. Well, by the grace of God, that's not going to happen in my family. I don't know how to play the Wii. I don't know how to play the Xbox. Start to say TalkBox, but I do know a little bit more about TalkBox than I do about Xbox. I'm not preaching against that stuff. I just, I'm, I come from Super Mario Brothers, you know, Mario and Luigi, and that's, that's about the extent of my techno-gizmo ability when it comes to that kind of stuff. And so, because we live in an illiterate society, those that do not understand history, sadly, are destined to repeat a lot of history. That can happen in our lives, too, when we become unfamiliar and ignorant of where God has brought us from. That's why the Bible says we will not hide them from our children, showing the praise to our children, showing our children where God brought us from. But uh, I learned to read when I was five years old. I wasn't even out of kindergarten yet, and it caused me trouble for the rest of my life. I was always getting in trouble at school. I wasn't doing my work. I was reading. But I guess God knew what he called me to do. 
And so he put it in my heart at an early age. And I read everything I could get my hands on. And I don't know, I was about seven or eight the first time I began to read this story about born and bred in a briar patch. And uh, it's an old story. Most of you kids probably never even heard of it today. And it was written in the very common vernacular of the South. The author, Mr. Joe Chandler, was in the early 1900s, and he wrote a series of books about Uncle Remus, who would tell stories about his famous character, Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox. Anybody ever read these stories? Br'er Rabbit was always smarter than Br'er Fox, and Br'er Fox was continually trying to catch Br'er Rabbit and put him in his stew pot so that he could eat him. And about the closest that he ever came was the time that he built a snare. And the snare was in the form of a little baby. He put the arms on it and he put the legs on it. But the problem was that the snare was made out of tar. He went down to the tar pits and he formed out of that tar he formed a head, and he formed a body, and he formed legs, and he formed arms. And so he put it out in the hot sun, and Mr. Rabbit comes along. Well, the, the, the coming up to that story is that every time Fox would try to outsmart him, Br'er Rabbit could escape him. I thought of this the other day. My wife and I come around the corner and there was a big old tomcat. He was a Siamese cat. And he had a squirrel. He had him cornered. But that squirrel was just a little bit better on his moves. And he broke the ankles on that cat two or three times. And I slammed on the brakes and jumped out of the car. And the cat looked at me and the squirrel got away. And I said, you go, little squirrel. I like shooting predators. That's right. Now, some of you that feel sorry for predators, you've never seen them work. You don't know how vicious they are. So, well, they just killed eat. No, that's a lie. That shows how little you know about predators. I went with a friend of mine one time, and we trapped two lions. And before he could, before he could trap those two lions, those lions got in a sheepfold up in northern Colorado and killed 28 sheep just so they could do it. And there were dead sheep, blood everywhere. They weren't eating. They were just having fun, killing. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. I kill predators. I like killing predators. I shoot them right between the eyes. Now, Brother Williams, he's a bow hunter. But a bow don't make enough noise for me. I like to hear that boom. There's something about that concussion that just makes the Holy Ghost leap within me. And so, Br'er Rabbit was always a little quicker. I'm going to preach if I get through this story. He was always a little quicker than Br'er Fox. 
So Br'er Fox come up with this great idea, and he made this, this, this snare, and it looked like a baby. He called it his tar baby. And Br'er Rabbit comes along, and he said, well, how you doing, Mr. Baby? Well, of course, the baby don't respond. He's not alive. And so Br'er Rabbit stops, and he said, sir, I'm talking to you. Well, there's no response. And he said, and you can go read the story. I don't have time to give you the whole story tonight. But he said, if you don't talk to me, I'm going to sock you right in the nose. Well, obviously, the baby can't talk, so he hauls off and pop. And, of course, it's the hot sun. And guess what happens? He gets stuck. And he said, you kind sir, I'm demanding you turn my hand loose. If you don't, I'm going to sock you again. So he hauls off and socks him again. And you know what happens. Both of his hands are stuck. He said, sir, you turn me loose or I'm going to kick you. So he hauls off and kicks him. And this story is a lot more eloquent, but I got a long ways to go. You can read it. Just look it up online tomorrow. And he socks him and he kicks him till his, his hands are in a snare and his feet are in a snare and then all of a sudden Br'er Fox jumps out of the bushes and says, aha, I gotcha. And he said, this time you're not getting away, Br'er Rabbit. I've already got the pot of water on. It's already boiling. I've got onions in that. I've got potatoes in that. I've got carrots in that. You are going to be rabbit roast by the end of this evening. Well, Br'er Rabbit, he's thinking as hard as he knows how because he, know, he, he knows he's caught. So all of a sudden, he comes up with an idea, and he said, okay, Mr. Fox, you got me. You got me. You got me cold turkey, cold rabbit. He said, I just have one request. He said, you can put me in that pot. Put me in that boiling pot. Put me in there with those taters and those carrots and those onions. But whatever you do, don't throw me in a briar patch. Whatever you do, oh my goodness, you can do whatever. You can skin me alive, you can gut me, you can do whatever. But whatever you do, don't throw me in a briar patch. And Mr. Fox was so full of resentment and hatred, you already know what he did. He hauls off and he throws Mr. Rabbit in the briar patch. And Mr. Mr. Fox sits there and he's waiting. He's waiting to hear the screams of torment and torture. And he hears nothing. He hears nothing at all. And he's, and he's looking at his watch and nothing. And then far away up over the hill, he hears Mr. Rabbit where he stops long enough to look back and yell, I was born and bred in a briar patch. In other words, the best thing you ever did was put me back in that briar patch. Put me right back in those thorns. I learned how to negotiate that world a long time ago. Now our text tonight sounds familiar and common with what goes on today. The, war, the reports are common and all too familiar. We hear the news that just seems to lead us further and further from the light of a Christian belief system. It is not just abortion alone now that we hear about. And I can't talk about every malady 
of our culture and our society. You'll just have to read between the lines tonight. It is not just about abortion alone, but it has degenerated to infanticide. In fact, no other civilization, say perhaps the Carthaginians and the Aztecs and the Romans, practiced the art of infanticide more than we are doing in our day and age today. Are you still with me? The fathers of this people regarded the daughters. Now, let me, let me, let me talk about, because I, I can't pass this up. I'm reading out of the book of Hebrews. This is written during the Roman Empire. And, and so much of that you think is back then and we are now. And you see all of what is going on in our world. And I'm skipping a whole lot tonight because I want to get to where God wants me to go. But I do have to stop long enough to explain to you what I'm talking about right here. Because it's like when you, when you are in a society long enough, you become numb to what's going on in society. And, and, it, and when you don't become numb, it's so heavy on you that you just want to push it aside and forget about it. Say, well, I just want to think on good things. Well, the Bible tells us to think on good things. But the Bible also says that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We understand that he is a sly old fox. And he is constantly setting out snares to trip us up. Now, I'm not preaching to people here tonight, I hope, and I don't think I am, that are watching this online, that are involved in infanticide and abortion and all that. If you are, the, the quickest thing I can tell you is come up here to this altar and repent of your sins and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and God will take care of that. I know. I know because I just baptized a person recently that was involved in that. And while I was teaching them a Bible study and I began to talk about this stuff, I saw the hurt in their life. I saw the fear and the terror in their life as God convicted them of what they'd done. But I also watched them go down in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and come up and God filled them with the Holy Ghost because that's why he went to Calvary. That's why he died is for your sin and for my sin and don't sit around and brag about the sins that you have that Jesus can't forgive we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities he was tempted but he overcame it so don't sit around and let the devil put you in the depression house and put you in the despair house. The best thing to do is get up from where you're sitting and make your way to an altar and say Jesus Wash me, cleanse me, purge me. But the point I'm trying to make tonight is that society's not going to get any better. All of you that are waiting for society to get better, it's not going to get any better. We're at the end. We're in the end times, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ is coming back. All of you that are sitting around waiting for the good old days, the good old days have come and they have gone. 
We need to work while it is day. For night comes when no man can work. How many of you are ready to roll up your sleeves and get in the field and say, you know, the best thing for me and my family is to have revival. The best thing for me and my family is to win somebody else and save somebody else. And so a lot of this that I'll be talking about tonight is not uncommon and not new. I want to make it clear to you that I'm not talking right now. Now, I portrayed it when I first started. I'm not talking about the day and age that we live in. I'm talking about the Roman Empire. I'm talking about infanticide. I'm talking about how in Rome, when a little girl was born, they wouldn't even... They wouldn't consider letting the little girl live. It was not uncommon to walk down the streets of Rome and see dead baby girls or girls that are dying and animals digging through the pile and eating the bodies of those little girls. Even though you think that I'm talking about that now, about our society. And, and you say, Brother Elder, our society is becoming like that. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to correlate that humanity without Jesus Christ becomes so deprived, so depraved. Humanity without Jesus Christ, don't tell me there are alternative lifestyles. They've already been recorded in history. It's a terrible thing. The greatest thing we can do is bring the revival of Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus to our world. The fathers of this people regarded daughters as little more than a nuisance and routinely, routinely had their infant daughters strangled, drowned, or left out on a hillside to be eaten by wild animals. It's true that this practice in the aforementioned people reached such a ubiquity that according to extant census records, only one in 600 families in Rome, only one in 600 families of this empire had more than one daughter and the ratio of men to women in the place was something like 65% men and 35% women. Women, a massive distortion of natural ratios which without this kind of interference, if, if there's not this kind of interference, then it's normally around 50 to 50. God knows what he's doing. Y'all still with me? Okay. But because of this, the ratios were messed up. And some 65%. Hence, the situation became so imperative that, that it became dire. And men, toward, men turned toward men in their lust. And this is where we get Romans chapter 1. Men turned towards men in their lust and women towards women. They were so abused. Most of the time, a woman that would become a good wife was so rare and so valuable that when they did have them, they would hoard them and they would hide them. And the only women you could find were at the brothels and at the temple. The temple prostitutes is the only place that they could find women. Why are you bringing this up, Brother Elder? Because I am trying to show you the environment that Christianity was born in. I'm trying to show you 
that it was a briar patch when Jesus came to this earth. Let me tell you, it was not the western beautiful pictures that you see artists paint. It was a dark, wicked, perverted world when Jesus was born into this world. You talk about a light. It's no wonder that those, the, those wise men, they saw that star. It was a dark, dark night. It was easy to see that star. And, and I don't have time to get into all of this. Let me tell you something. Man, I was so excited because I was going to talk about this. And then Brother, Brother William, Pastor William started talking about all the babies that are in this church. Let me tell you how the church grew. It did not grow by massive revivals. There were a few. Most of them were in Judah. On the first day, the Bible said there was 3,000 men that were added to the church plus their wives and family. But that was set up by three and a half years of Christ's ministry. And that was even set up before that with John the Baptist that came through and he prepared the way of the Lord. And then there was another 5,000 that was added. And then the Bible says that the church multiplied. But if you look at the book of Acts, you're not looking at two or three years. You're looking at some almost 60 years of history of the church that is going on. So when you see these chapters, they're not happening every two or three days. You are looking at years and years. Maybe I am teaching. Maybe Y'all want me to do what God told me to do tonight? You are looking at years and years of faithfulness of the men of God, the apostles. You are looking at years and years of faithfulness of saints of God. You are looking at them going house to house daily, breaking bread. That didn't just happen in a six-week revival. That happened years after year, Brother Leo, year after year, that you don't get tired of running buses. You don't get tired of teaching Sunday school. You don't get tired of running a bus route. You don't get tired of coming to choir practice. You don't get tired of coming to music practice. You don't get tired tired of coming to six o'clock prayer meeting and be not weary in well doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not oh clap your hands to the Lord and so the growth of the church was slowly Slowly, the Lord added to the church. Then the Lord multiplied, and children were born. I wish I could talk about this. I don't have time. I'll come back, and I'll teach you about this. Because while the Roman family was deteriorating into perversion and distortion and dysfunction, and there was no daddy in the house, and there was, there was a mama that was trying to make ends meet here. And there was not. And, and the institution of marriage was outlawed by Claudius. Claudius. Claudius, the anti-Semite who persecuted the church ruthlessly. See, you don't know this because you don't learn this playing the week in the word of God and you see
You learn this by getting in the Word of God and you're seeing things and then God says, go, go find this over here and read this. I want to teach you something. Let me teach you how powerful. Now, I'm going to make it clear to you right now. I'm preaching to young men that the devil has lied to you and told you, you don't have a daddy. You're never going to amount to hell of beans. You're so far behind the eight ball. And he wants you to feel sorry about yourself. And he wants to make you think that you are so mistreated that you need the government to take care of this in your life. And you have to have this. And, and you get this entitlement mentality. And then you get to feel. I'm going to tell you, you cannot help people that feel sorry for themselves. You cannot help them. Somewhere, young man, you have to realize I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. Young lady, you got to realize uh, the Lord is my heavenly father uh, I am somebody I belong to somebody now, now I can pep talk you all you want to all, all I want to but the way you're really going to get that is you're going to come into this altar and you're going to spend time with God and as you spend time with God he's going to reveal himself to you Daniel said they that know their God shall be strong Lord help me preach this tonight can you all hear me do you hear what the Spirit is saying to Fort Myers? And the families became so dysfunctional. And men couldn't find a wife because there were no wife. There were no women. But in the church, the families were stronger than they had ever been. And they were having baby girls and they were celebrating them and they were naming them and they were saying, baby doll, when you get older, God's going to use you. He's going to do great things. And so the unbelievers, men, started coming to church. Watch your girls around here, Bubba. And they began to pay attention to the word of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, this world's getting so whacked out. All of you young people that are looking at the world, go on out there. No, don't. No, don't. You're going to find out. You are going to find out that there ain't nothing out there. You are, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You are going to find out that is a pig pen and even the servants at my daddy's house have better to eat have better to wear have a better place to sleep than in that pig pen that they're calling so much fun and so much good time and so much joy can I just Talk like it T.I. is tonight. Oh, you were having fun and you got five women pregnant. And you're paying child support on five different kids in five different states. Now, if that's going on in your life, I feel sorry for you. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not here to make fun of you. But at least have enough courage to tell some of these young men, it ain't what they said it is, Bubba.
If you're here and that's what's going on in your life, come on, brother, have the courage to tell these young men, stay in church, stay in here, be who God called you to be. Start a family like God called you to start a family and be faithful to that family. If you're a young person in America today, one out of every three teenagers has STDs. If you don't know what that is, that's a sexually transmitted disease. If you don't know what that is, go ask your mom and dad. One out of every three. I didn't make those up. And they say they're having a good time. They say they're having fun. And they say it's just the life. I don't want to get bogged down here, okay? It is also true that this people did not normally allow children with handicaps to live. They got rid of them because they were weak. The vast majority of the people here were considered slaves. Did you know that some historians consider that over 90% of Rome, anywhere from 70 to 90% of Rome were slaves? Doctors were slaves. Lawyers were slaves. CPAs were slaves. You had to have a Roman citizenship. If you didn't have a Roman citizenship, you were a slave. And if you were a slave, you didn't have the ability to get a Roman citizenship. Don't tell me, can I, can, can I just be plain? Let me tell you something. The word slave is a white word. Some of you don't know this because you're listening to all the media. It's a white word. That's when Romans took the Slavic people captivity and put them into slavery and they called them Slavs or slaves. Slavery does not know color. Slavery does not know economic system. Do you realize that right here in America there were more Chinese people that were in slavery than there were African people? But the world's not going to tell you that. Let me tell you who puts people into slavery. The devil puts people into slavery. We need to bind together as a church and stand against all of this trash going on in the world and say, if you want out of slavery, come on in the house of God. This is where freedom begins. Judgment begins at the house of God. We don't have time for all that nonsense. Over 90% in some historic accounts were slavery. Praise God. And so, it is also true this, that the handicapped people were put to death. The majority of children were pressed. That means they were made slaves, pressed into prostitution. Little girls for the brothels, servicing the men of the athletic and the war patrician classes. Little boys who would serve as malakoi are passive sexual partners for the more political classes, such as the senators and the members in the political houses. We knew all of this. Jesus, when he talked of John the Baptist, he said, what, did you go out in the wilderness to see a reed shaking in the wind? Did you go out to see, behold, they that are in, that are in, that, uh, they that have soft clothing are in, I, I forgot the scripture here. You know what I'm talking about. That word soft clothing is a Greek word for a little boy male prostitute. Now, I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. I have kept my mouth shut long enough. 
Everybody else is coming out of the closet. Well, I'm not coming out of the closet like they came out of the closet. <laughs> but I'm coming out as an apostolic pastor. And I'm preaching. And I'm saying, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith God. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you unto myself. That's right. The word Jesus used there is the Greek word katamite. Go look it up. That trash is not just going on in our day and age. Do you know the greatest industry right now in the world is sex trafficking? And there's people that are trying to ha hide it. There's political, powerful figures that are trying to hide it. The only answer for our world is not to vote this person in or that person in. The answer to our world is revival. The church needs to be the church. The church of today needs to be the same church that the apostles started on the day of Pentecost. Come on, church. Help me preach this tonight. <laughs> and so these children, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. I'm going way over time tonight. So these children and these mamas and these dads, while the families, the, the nuclear family of Rome, that's right, I, I started this whole discourse right here with Claudius outlawed marriage in Rome because he couldn't get men to sign up to join the army. And so he outlawed the nuclear family. Didn't work. But, and then you have, oh, I can't remember, Caligamus. Caligamus was the great emperor of Rome that married his mare, horse, with a full emperor ceremony regalia. And he would sit there and stroke her neck and say, oh, such a beautiful neck. It demands that I slit it anytime I want to. That is the leadership of the Roman Empire. And that's that. Do you know that we have college professors that are admiring that kind of leadership and trying to teach that to our kids? And they're calling that education? Now stick with me. Stick with me. It's all going to turn out good. And while the family was deteriorating in Rome, the families in the church were getting more and more powerful. And God added to the church daily such as should be saved. And people were quietly coming out of idolatry over here. And people quietly were forsaking idolatry. They were doing it quietly because it was a capital offense. You were only allowed to worship Caesar as the only God of Rome. And you could only pay obeisance to the, the gods that Rome put a license on. And so it was an unlicensed church. What they were doing was illegal. God, I feel like preaching. Don't come and talk to me about what I'm doing is illegal. As long as I'm in the word of God, I am doing what God told me to do. I will stand up like Peter and said, listen, I'm not out to, I'm not out to rebel, but I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to preach it without fear. I'm going to preach it without favor.
All of this is going on. And, and the families just kept growing, just kept growing, just kept growing. Until finally, the apostolic church became so great that the emperor, Constantine, saw the only way that I can keep control of this kingdom is to say I've become a Christian. And so he supposedly converted to Christianity, and that's a whole other story for another time that I come and preach. So while the devil's telling you how defeated you are, and the devil's telling you how you just will not make any difference in the world, and let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, we're more connected than they were in the Roman Empire. They lived in an isolated world. They lived in a local world. We live in a global world. And the devil is petrified because he's never had to deal with the church on a global level before. That's why he's trying to censure us. That's why he's trying to cut us off here and cut us off there. Y'all still with me? And, if, and, and, and I could get into a lot of this. The political leaders were certainly bastions of example for the people they supposedly descended from the elite who some considered deity Anus, who himself assumed descended from the gods, pictures of wisdom and sound mind, which is why history records the first emperor, Caesar, as a megalomaniac, Julius Caesar. Tiberius, the greatest joy, was soaking in his spa with little boys. Caligula, who was so paranoid, schizophrenic, he literally married his horse and took pleasure in kissing his wife's neck, whispering, so beautiful a neck, must be cut whenever I please. Claudius, the raging anti-Christian Semite. Nero, well, Nero was Nero. He had himself declared God, castrated a boy named Sporta, then married him with the full classically Roman emperor's marriage ceremony. He allegedly copulated with his wife. I know I'm being pretty blunt tonight, but it's time to be pretty blunt. It's time to, it's time to tell you that's the environment that Christianity was born in. Why some of you are wringing your hands and saying, oh my God, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do what the church has always done. We're going to have revival. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be a light to a dark world. That's what we're going to do. We're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. That's what we're going to do. Hey, we're born and bred in a briar patch. I said we were born and bred in a briar patch. Whoever. Jesus said to Peter, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now when we talk about that, I need a couple of big guys. A big guys. Hey, come on, bro. You make a great gate. Come on, brother. Come on, brother Ham. Okay. Now turn, 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 turn around. Turn around. Right there. No. Right there. You guys are gates. Okay. Most people think that when Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That your church is cornered down underneath these gates. And hell is just pounding against the gates. No, if that were the case, that would be the gates of heaven. 
You would have said the gates of heaven shall not prevail against hell. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We're not over here cowering. But the church is a battering ram that's going boom. Boom. Jeremiah said the word of God is like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Boom. Boom. You're going to open. You're opening in my father's life. You're opening in my mother's life. You're opening in my children's life. You will not prevail. You're not going to prevail. You're not prevailing in my life. You're not prevailing in my ministry. You're not prevailing in my children. You're not prevailing in my family. You're not prevailing in my marriage. You're not prevailing in my future. I know the plans that he has for me. Plans to prosper. tried to marginalize and devalue the importance of men in our world. Men. We're going to emasculate men. Spirit of Jezebel. Well, Jezebel's dead. Well, apparently not. We find Jezebel over in the book of Revelation. And we find Elijah over in the book of Revelation. And they're still fighting it out. And guess who wins again? Elijah wins again. You need to thank God for men in your life that are not afraid to tell you what God says. You need to thank God for men of God in your life that are not afraid to stand up and say, I know this is not popular. I know, but this is the word of the Lord. The Lord. He wants to he wants to marginalize the men of our world, the families, the churches, the onslaught of discouragement against great, wonderful, godly men who are making the difference in the world by being the man God called them to be. Over 50% of the children of our nation are now born out of wedlock. This means that over 50% of the children in our nation are more likely than not to not have a father in their home. Over 50%, 330 million people, you figure it out. Young men who grow up in homes without fathers are twice as likely to end up in jail as those who come from traditional two-parent families. Those boys whose fathers were absent from the household had double odds of being incarcerated. Even when other factors such as race, income, parent education, urban residence were held constant. The Journal of Research on Adolescence, volume 14, 914, 2004, page 369 through 397. I gave you the citation so you know I'm not making this stuff up. Can I go a little further? 63% of youth suicides, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That comes from what the federal government can do to decrease crimes and revitalize communities. Nothing. But the church can do a whole lot. The church can make a difference.
85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Same source. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Hey, are you hearing? 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. Boys who grow up in father-absent homes are more likely than those in father-present homes to have trouble establishing the appropriate sex roles and gender identity. P.I. Adams, Jr. Milner, and N.A. Shrepp, Fatherless Children, New York Wiley Press, 1984. So we're having the problem with homosexuality in kids today because daddy's not in the home to teach the boy how to be a boy and teach the daughter how to be a girl. And the devil's thinking he has a heyday. But it's not like that in the church. I said, it's not like that in the church. Are you hearing? In a longitudinal study of 1,197 fourth grade students, researchers observed greater levels of aggression in boys from mother-only households than from boys in mother-father households. That's the Journal of Abnormal Child Psychology, page 23, volume 5, 1995. Children from low income, listen to this. They tell you, well, it's because they're poor. It's because they're poor. Well, listen to this. Now, I'll tell you something. You live for God. Poorness is not an, an economic state. Poorness is a mental state. Oh, yeah, I, I'm preaching. I'm feeling good because I'm preaching in a church out. Preach with me. Now, I preach this in some churches. They don't preach with me. But I'm preaching in a church that preaches with me. It says, uh, where, where, oh, in a longitudinal study, children from low income, listen carefully, father, mother families, low income, father, mother families, outperform high income single parent homes. Almost twice as many high achievers come father, from father-mother homes as one-parent homes. One-parent families and their children, Charles F. Kettering Foundation, 1990. So don't tell me that you come from poor. I don't tell you something. If you come from poor, I don't care where you come from. When you become a son of God... Only 13% of juvenile delinquents come from families in which the biological father and mother are married. Not just living together. Married to each other. By contrast, 33% have parents who are either divorced or separated. And 44% of people that are in juvenile delinquent homes have parents who are never married. The Wisconsin Department of Health and Social Services, April 1999. The likelihood that a young male will engage in criminal, in criminal activity doubles if he is raised in a single-parent family. Underclass behavior in the U.S. Uh, Barrett College, 1993. Much of, yay, almost all of what it takes to truly be a man. We hate to talk about, and I don't have time to talk about tonight, but just let me pass by and say, it's duty. It's duty. I need a couple of boys. Come here. What's your name? Come here, buddy. You're going to help me preach. 
It's frozen. Come on. Mama, you got some cash? I know how to get him up here. Come on, buddy. Come with him. Come up here. You don't come with him? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. What's your name? Malachi. Woo! We quoted it tonight. Bring ye all the tithes unto the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit in the time before the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi. That's right, buddy. Logan. Whoa. Wilgins. That's even better. Wilgins. That almost sounds like a cowboy name. Can I hug you, Wilgin? Come here. Come here. Now, a lot of kids that are coming in our churches today, they don't have daddies to show them this. I got a revelation. I was watching my son pray. It's a couple of years ago. And there's a couple of boys in the church that linked up with my son. They don't have fathers. Come here, guys. Come on this side of me. And my son, you guys going to walk with me? I'm going to walk, okay? Let's walk. Come on. Stay with me. And Jeffrey was praying. Oh, you got to watch Jeffrey pray. He prays. You with me, Wilgen? Oh, God. Oh. I don't know how he talks in tongues, but he talks in tongues. And those little guys linked up with him. And pretty soon, I looked down there and those little guys were doing the same thing. Jeffrey, oh God. Transfer, anointing transfer. Instead of being in a gang and learning how to be a gangbanger and learning how to talk filthiness and learning how to treat women like sex objects, uh, those little guys, they may not have a father, but they got a heavenly father and he's teaching them how to be a man. Uh, he's got some men in the church uh, that are teaching them how to be a man. Whoa. Power. Sister Elder, I owe these guys 20 bucks. I'm going to get it to them. Give them a hand. We'll get it after church. They want their 20 bucks. They're going to get it too. Because I believe in paying the ministry they help me minister can I just go a little further I know I won't preach this long very often we could talk about all the things that it takes to be a man that young men aren't learning in our world today the work ethic ain't nothing wrong with working buddy don't come and apologize to me for being a dishwasher that's better than sitting at home on your rear end Letting the devil lie to you. Tell you how worthless you are. Tell you how you, oh my God, I feel like preaching tonight. Hey, 
hey, brother, go wash those dishes and do it with faith in your heart. It won't be long. You'll own the restaurant. My God, I feel like preaching. Sometimes we need to get our head out of the clouds and listen to the voice of God and just go do the present duty at hand. Hey, young ladies, watch these guys. And on work day, if they're always trying to get out of work. Or don't show up because they're still in bed. And they brag about, well, I get up at the crack of noon. said baby you are so good looking but one of these days you're gonna be fat and your muscles are gonna be sagging and you're gonna have more hair in your ears than you do on your head well am I preaching or am I preaching I need somebody's gonna take care of me I need somebody's gonna get up and take me to church gonna get up and take care of my babies making a spectacle out of trying to make a spectacle out of the men of God like this man of God I I got so much admiration for brother Cornelius I'm going to tell you something and there's other men around here that they're my heroes just my heroes they just get up every day and they're faithful to God don't give me a man with a Superman cape on give me a man with work boots on Give me a man with work gloves on. Give me a man that loves his family enough. He'll get up and pray every day. He'll get up and be faithful. He's like the stars fixed in their course. But the, the devil wants you to say, dude, you need to change your hairdo. You know, get you a Corvette, hockey life, go through a midlife crisis, leave your wife, leave your, it's that stupid or what? What am I going to do with a young woman at 50 years of age? You ain't reached 50 yet, so you're just staring at me. (laughs) My God, I can't believe you just said that. Hey, we preaching it like a T.I.S. tonight. God, I, I'm telling you, the Lord told me to preach this tonight. Reminds me, and I, I'm closing, I really am. I'm closing. It reminds me of the GIs. This really happened. I read this story in World War II. They were fighting away. I believe it was the Battle of the Bulge. And a German Stuka diver, that's a dive bomber, come and drops a 2,000 pound bomb into their foxhole. It didn't go off. But I'm going to tell you, those boys were vacating that foxhole fast. The bomb never went off. So they brought in a detonator 
expert to take the detonator. But I don't know what they call them. But anyway, they come in. They take the bomb apart. When they get to the detonator, there is no detonator. Where the detonator is supposed to be is a little note from a little Jewish slave that was building those bombs in Germany. And he said, sometimes I feel so helpless. I'm a slave. I don't think I'm making a difference in the world. But I'm doing my best to do my part in this fight to help you guys win the battle. That was the note where the detonator should have been. Now, you know what? The rest of the world may have never known that. But there was a mama and there were some kids and there was a man that was thanking God for that little Jewish slave that had enough incentive when nobody was looking. He said, I'm going to make a difference in this battle. I'm going to make a difference. And daddy, the devil's trying to make you feel like nothing, trying to make you feel like, well, you're not Superman, you're not this, but there's a mama that's thanking God every day that you're getting up and you're being the man God called you to be. There's some kids every day that are thanking God that you're doing what you're doing to make a difference. Oh, I'm closing, but I'm telling you, these issues are not new to we in the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? I've already showed you that this is the environment of the early church. The secularist assumes that Christianity has been rendered obsolete, superseded today by science. But who does the modern scoffer think we are? A rotary club formed last week, last year, or a decade, or a century, or a millennium ago? Hear me, we've stared down bigger, badder, more determined foes before. If we were not extinguished when there was just a handful of us against the entire Roman Empire, what hope can our enemy possibly have as the name of Jesus is declared in every nation? But even if our enemies, even if every one of us were buried deeply in the earth, let our enemies see to it that he sets a guard upon the tomb and seals them shut. Cover the valley of our dry bones and miles of dirt. But still beware for all it will take for those dry bones to become an army is for our God to summon one prophet to speak. There is no place in the universe that the church is more lethal than in the grave. Secularism was born in a cozy Parisian cafe, dreamed up by jaded, malcontent men, living on the spoils of the welfare of a Christian Malou. But we Christians, we weren't conceived in a prayer cafe. We were conceived on a cross. We were delivered in a tomb. We were born in the dark. We learned to speak on Pentecost while the world mocked us. We took our first steps under the rain of stones. We were raised in the catacombs. We were educated in the lion's mouth. We became men at the stake. 
Do you imagine that you can invent a few toys, make a few gadgets, propose a few mayor philosophies, and take over a few college campuses, win a few presidential elections, and corrupt a few generations, and we'll just go suddenly, quietly away? We've been called irrelevant since Calvary, but let me remind you, we were born and bred in a briar patch. Your mockings don't discourage us one bit. Your torture and your persecution's not gonna shut our mouth. We're gonna be the men that God called us to be. We're gonna be the ladies that God called us to be. We're gonna be the families that God called us to be. We're gonna be the young people that God called us to be. Oh, let your hands and praise Him. Come on. Come on, let's praise Him. Come on. Can you feel it? Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is entertainment. Get ready for revival. tried to build his faith there were people in his life that tried to tear it down people that were in his family I'm just telling you like a T.I. is but thank God this young man heard the voice of truth and turned off the other lion siren songs of Satan let me talk to some of you that are so unsure that you've been out there the Barbara Williams my first convert when I went to Pueblo, Colorado, thank God 
We arrived just in time. She was just starting to push and hustle drugs. But God showed up in time. And here she is. And there were people in her life and in her family that said, don't listen to him. He's a radical. He's insane. He don't know what he's talking about. Oh, hear me. It's not a personal thing. I just know what the Word of God will do. I just have faith in what God will do. And I'm preaching to people here tonight. I'm preaching. There's people in this church that heard the voice of God. They heard the voice of God. And God is blessing them. Don't talk to me about how tough it is and how hard it is. The church has always lived in tough times. The church is born in tough times. But we were born and bred for victory. We were born and bred to overcome. We were born and bred to be overcomers.
minute, let you just go nuts. But I'll come back and I'll talk to you single mamas because God hadn't left you without witness either. And remember, more than likely, Jesus was raised by a single mama and she never let a loser's mentality get in his head. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. We got to talk faith. We got to talk faith in this city. We got to talk faith to everybody. We got to let them know that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Uh, We got to let them know that God has an answer. He has a purpose. Uh, He has a plan. You don't. You don't get out of the plan. You try to get away, but you're not going to get away. Come on, come on. Let's praise him a little bit more. Yes, I want it.